Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of Whose Team Is It Anyway? I'm Eddie from the Rambling Jur blog and joining me tonight to host a, pr- a brand new show is coming from behind the curtain, producer Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing well, Eddie. Uh, happy to be here, excited for the new show. And Sasa Scott Hans, how are you doing, Scott? I was going to go silent for a couple of minutes and let you think my mic was broke, but yes, I'm doing very well, happy to be here. That's brilliant. Um, Andrew, would you just mind explaining to the listeners the format of the new show for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The plan is that every week we are going to have a different guest each time, and they're going to take us through their all-time top 11 uh, football players. Um, On the 10th show, the three of us are going to pick one team each, and we'll debate that uh, for a winner. Um, And yeah, that's going to be it. We're basically just hoping to have a chat through some teams and, um, you know, fiercely judge people on their wrong wrong and invalid opinions. It's going to be great. I'm really excited about this, Scott. How are you feeling? Oh, yeah. Anything that gets the football nostalgia blood pumping is certainly something that I look forward to. This is, I'm, I'm hoping to get some of the reminiscence of Gazeta Football Italia talking about this. Um, but I'm just more stumped out of nowhere that we've managed to get our own podcast after guesting on Chris Betts' football chats. God, it's the boss. <laughs> well, we're going to have to pick someone decent enough for the first guest, right? Yep. And these guys. So allow us, allow us to introduce the boss, the gaffer, Chris Beck. Chris, how are you this evening? Eddie, Scott, Andrew. You're fired! <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It's it's a good concept, so I'm 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 happy to be the first guest, and uh, I'll be listening every week to see how everybody else's teams uh, come close to mine or, or, or so far away from mine. Because I actually think that I've got the best team, even though obviously I don't know what others are going to pick, but I very much doubt anybody will beat this team. It's very rare for you, Chris, to you know have a really high opinion of your own opinion, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's never happened before. I know, <laughs> no, it's it's quite. I'm in my comfort zone a wee bit. <laughs> so lads as it's the first show what i'll do is i'll just explain the concept um chris has sent me his team in advance i'll tell you what the formation's going to be and then for each player i'm going to read a few stats and you two see if you can guess who it is once you've had a turn to guess we'll allow chris to let you know if one of these is right and then he can explain his pick we all happy with that sure oh, sounds yes. good oh, yes. i must uh, i must uh, caveat it though Eddie, because Obviously, it's a wee bit of a spoiler, but obviously there's no Rangers players in it. Um, this is pre- pretty much a show for everyone. So I think, without telling you what to do, Eddie, but I think it's, in the future you've got some scope here to do uh, whose team is it anyway, Rangers edition. But in this one, it's sort of a kind of world of loving. Um, just before anybody jumps in in the comments saying, oh, Chris isn't a Rangers fan and stuff like that, it's really important that I say that. <laughs> we got plenty of other evidence that you're not really a Rangers fan, Chris, so don't worry. <laughs> this, this, is, this is barely anything on the park. is what I'm saying. <laughs> this, this is purely a world of loving uh, uh, team that I've picked um, that doesn't include any Rangers players. I'll keep that in the bank for future Rangers edition episodes. So before I start, can I just... Double check with you, Chris. This formation's a four-three-three. As yeah, it's not. It's not a. 
uh, modern four three three. It's it's pretty much a, an old school three where obviously the the three in the midfield will be playing flat along pretty much in a line. You could fling a blanket over them, and then the three up front are predominantly all three three strikers. But they could uh, they could go out in the number the inverted ten row or actually go out wider to be wingers. But um, it's it's an old school four three three rather than a modern day four three three. Right, lads. I'm going to jump into it. What I'll do, I'm going to read out their appearances, goals, scored, assists, that kind of thing. I'll give you a selection of the clubs that the players played for. I won't give you them all because I'll try not to make it too obvious. And then you can take a guess from there. So in goals, Chris's selection has made 544 club appearances, scoring 10 goals, one red card and 223 clean sheets. He's played for Bronby, Sporting Lisbon, and Man City. Who do you think it is? I'll go to you, Scott, first. I'm going to say Peter Schmeichel. Producer Andrew? Uh, As I was saying to you guys uh, off-air just before we started recording, I'm going to be hopeless at this, so I'm going to copy Scott's answer. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, do you want to... Put them out of their misery. Scott, Scott's right. That is Peter Schmeichel. Um, see what I've done here is I've actually written down my team, uh, and next to the next to the player's name, I've put down the addition of that player that I want. So with Peter Schmeichel, I put down Man United. Um, obviously that's where he played his best football. That's where he probably was the best goalkeeper in the world, and and that's that's how he's he's best known. I think if he said Man United there, I it would have been more obvious. Uh, but I think the fact that he scored 10 goals is also pretty pretty much a giveaway because you, you don't get many goalkeepers like, like Schmeichel. He scored the majority of his goals back home in Denmark, but he also scored in the, the Premier League. I think, was it was it with? Um, it wasn't even Man U, I think it was actually with Aston Villa. It was Aston Villa, yep. yeah. Aston Villa against Everton. Yeah, um, for me, Schmeichel is the greatest goalkeeper. I include, I include the likes of Buffon, um, even the modern day goalkeepers, uh, Ederson, Allison, um, Donnarumma, he 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 had, had everything. He had the height, he had the presence. Uh, physically, uh, as a goalkeeper, he was an absolute wall. Um, and it was something that you just didn't see in a goalkeeper back then, or even now. Goalkeepers now obviously are very different to what they were in Schmeichel's era. But for me, Schmeichel could do the lot for a guy six foot four, six foot five. Um, so agile, he could get down, right down into the corner if the balls needed to. I think one of his best saves was against Rapid Vienna, where he literally had to go right down into the bottom corner and push the ball away with one hand. Um, you go one on one with Schmeichel, more often than not, Schmeichel's going to come out on top. Uh, it was just for me, I, I used to love watching him. Um, his son, Casper, is also a good couple, and you can kind of see similarities, but he's nowhere near. Uh, he's nowhere near his dad's um, ability or even presence. And, and for me, Schmeichel is the, the greatest goalkeeper uh, of all time. And that's why I went for him. I think he will probably feature in a number of uh, people's teams. I think it's also worth noting what he did for his his national team of 114 caps. One goal for Denmark as well against Belgium and 47 clean sheets. And of course, he was part of that amazing um, story when Denmark won the, the Euros in 92. So... I think that's a good choice, a good strong start for you there, Chris. We'll move on to right-back. So for your stats for your right-back, lads, this player had 142 caps for his country, five goals and 10 assists, 
He's played for Zaragoza, Roma, and Garforth Town. Scott? Uh, before we move on, can I just say, I clarify, I, get the, I was the first one to answer that last one, so I get the point, right? Um, Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the competition within the competition. Yes. We're, sit, we're sitting here taking it seriously, so I'll let I'll, I'll be gracious and let Andrew go first. Oh, thanks very much, Scott. Um, I haven't got the first clue who this is. <laughs> Did you see Zaragoza in Roma? Yes. Part of me is thinking it's Cafu. Chris, that is indeed Cafu. Um, again. Uh, I, he's he's got to be in the top three greatest right backs or even full backs of all time. Uh, probably for me, he is the greatest of all time. Uh, he was way ahead of his time. He he played the game the way full backs play the game these days. Uh, you look at uh, Gary Neville, for example, a, a fantastic right back, but he didn't have that attacking instinct um, kind of going beyond the right midfielder and and, and playing uh, basically as a winger at times whereas Cafu, he'd done that his whole career, he had the engine for it he had the, the class, the technique the skill, crossing scoring, um, but most important of all, what you find nowadays with, with fullbacks is they can do all the attacking stuff, but when it comes to actually doing their job which is to defend, they're not very good at it, I think we've got a fullback at our club just now playing the same position as Cafu, uh, which is probably one of the best fullbacks we've ever had, if not the best. But when it comes to defending, we, we see that it, that's where he lacks um, in, in his whole overall game. Whereas Cafu, he could actually defend as well. Very tenacious, solid, strong. Um, and it was a no-brainer. I don't think anyone came close in my head to actually taking the right-back spot other than Cafu. So, uh, again... I'm two for two here, two of the best. Uh, if anyone chooses any two differently from Schmeichel and Cafu, then I have to say they're wrong. Again, just obviously what, what I said about Schmeichel, where I put down the, the team that they played for, which I felt they played their best football. For Cafu, it was fantastic for Roma, but I actually think he went up a level with Milan. Um, and every time he played for Brazil, he was just utter class. So I've kind of put Brazil-Milan edition. I Excellent. agree with that, Chris. I think he's one of these I players who used to watch lighting up the World Cup. Just like, absolutely sensational player. I couldn't agree more with a right back. I think the concept of our fans calling Tavernier the blue Cafu shows exactly the impact that Cafu had on the football landscape that even now in 2022 we're comparing players to him. Um, so well, I think that's a really strong choice you've made there, Chris. I've got a Rangers connection with Cafu, actually. Uh what ex-Rangers player did Cafu basically anoint, anoint as his successor? I'd be very surprised if any of these get us. Alan Hutton? No. <laughs> Scott, I'm not even going to ask Andrew. Scott, you want was to this, ask? Was this, at a, was this at a club level? Yes, at a club level. But this guy also played international as well. But he, he played for Rangers also. I'd be very surprised if he's got it. It's going to be something stupid like Kribari or something. I was about to say. Kribari didn't play fullback, did we feel? Are you sure? I mean, it is Ali. Yeah, it's entirely possible he did at one point. Well, that's true. (laughs) I'll just. I'll I'll, I'll take this one as an interesting pub quiz one that I'll note for future reference. It was John Flanagan. Oh, 
John Flanagan. Wow. Jesus. Whoa. Liverpool fans used to call him the Red Cafu. Uh, or was it <laughs> I think it was a Scouse Cafu, one of the two. Oh. And uh, Cafu actually said, this this lad is, is my successor. Um, it's quite an unbelievable story. If you don't believe me, Google Cafu, John Flanagan, and you'll see that, that John uh, Cafu actually picked him out to be the next best right back in the world. And this was around the time Brendan Rodgers was the manager of Liverpool, and they almost won the league, where John Flanagan was... The John Flanagan we got wasn't the John Flanagan that initially broke through that Liverpool team. We got a solid right back who was horrible going forward. But the John Flanagan of the Liverpool era, he he was flying. Um, and and Cafu, yeah, Cafu picked him out as being a successor. So even the greats get it wrong sometimes. So what we're saying is fantastic right back, terrible scout. Yeah, aye, pretty much aye. aye so Rangers are sent in the scouting department then. <laughs> so. We're moving on to centre-backs now, and I have to say, before we actually get into it, I think people are going to struggle to pick a better centre-back pairing than what you've selected here, in my opinion. Very impressed with a strong selection. So to start off with, our first centre-back has one Ballon d'Or, one World Cup, two La Ligas, two Italian Cups, and one UEFA Cup. He's played for Napoli and Parma. Who is he? Andrew, we'll go to you again since Scott's winning 2-0 at the moment. I'm pretty sure I can picture this guy in my head. I cannot for the life of me remember his fucking name. It's been a long week, okay? Um, No, I don't know. Sorry. Scott? When you said probably one of the best parents ever, I was humming and hawing at the start, but when I get that clue, I'm going to have to go with Alessandro Nesta. Oh... Chris, yeah, you're not, out of his misery? It's no Alessandro Nesta. Um, this guy is far superior uh, to Nesta. Uh, he is Italian, Scott, if that helps, if you want to have a second bash at it. Well, for me, my, my ideal starting back pair. Um, Wait, Michael no, Scott, Black. don't, 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 don't. You can tell us once we've had the two of them. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, right, I'll go for Maldini then. Well, I don't think he actually played for Maldini Par- didn't play for Napoli or Parma. <laughs> Uh, it's Cannavaro, Fabio Cannavaro. Fabio Cannavaro, great choice. Very nice. This this guy was just oh tremendous. The the stature of him, five foot eight, five foot nine, so pretty similar to me. It was the the defender. I played right back. I didn't play centre half. I, I get put at centre half um, sometimes, but I was more in the sweeper role because obviously I'm not going to attack many balls because of my height. And with Cannavaro, he didn't attack many balls. He read the game like it was a book. And he was four or five steps ahead of everybody. And then the odd occasion, the ball did go over his head. You're still only getting by him because he, was, he would use his strength, push out the way, turn and then pass. He was just tremendous. One of his biggest attributes was his pace, his recovery pace. Now, recovery pace can be taken as a bit of a negative um, attribute because... The whole point of saying that somebody's got good recovery pace means that they've made a mistake and they have to get back in time. And with Cannavaro, it was pretty much deliberate that he gave players that inch or two so that he could get back and win the ball because nine times out of ten he would win the ball. And that to me was just, it, it was like watching him play is so difficult to describe because he's not your typical six foot five ugly centre half who headers everything. He knew when to go and when not to go, 
and he was always in the right position at the right time. And he was just, I think he's the only defender, the only centre defender to ever win a Ballon d'Or. And it came off the back of Italy winning the World Cup, where it was just flawless. And I loved Cannavaro. I, I absolutely loved him. And I don't think, again, this is a bit of a kind of out there prediction, but I don't think we'll ever see the likes of Cannavaro ever again, because he's... For a player like Cannavaro to be a centre defender in the modern game, he's just far too small. And that made him all the more appealing to me because I could I was about to say I could see similarities between me and him. No, I think the similarity is just the height, but you know what I mean. And which version of Cannavaro did you pick? Uh, well, obviously Italy, that's where you know, that World Cup was just tremendous. I could have obviously went with Parma, but I, I felt as if he was still a, a kind of developing player at that time. He wasn't the finished article. Do you know who I think get the best at Cannavaro? And I'll, this might be pretty controversial, especially Scott being a, a big Serie A fanboy. You could think of Juventus, but I actually think Real Madrid get the best at Cannavaro. So you're not going Bengal Tuskers then, no? No. Nah. <laughs> nah. Scott, what do you think about that? Do you think Juventus or Parma, or do you think Madrid get the best? I'd, I'd probably side with Juve getting the best out of him. Like, I've, 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 I'm really annoyed at myself for not getting him. Uh, absolutely fabulous player. You know, I agree with everything you said, apart from saying that he maybe wasn't so good. In he could leap like a salmon. Oh, God. Six foot, four, six foot four centre forward sometimes just couldn't get near the ball with him in there. Uh, absolutely fantastic player. And surprising, I've seen an interview with him uh, on a YouTube channel a couple of years ago. Excellent English speaker as well, having never played in England or America. Oh, I was going to say, uh, if, if the Geo experiment doesn't work out, maybe we can have a wee word with him. But however, Geo, Geo's last job was in China, and I believe that's where Cannavaro currently is managing, so maybe we should just stay clear of him. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Chinese... Uh, management stream hasn't been that successful this year because obviously Gio hasn't worked out for us, Benitez didn't work out for Everton, so it's probably not a market we want to be tapping in for managers going forward. No. I'm, just, I'm just looking at Canavara's uh, Wikipedia here. He's the only defender who's ever won FIFA World Player of the Year. Um, ever. Which, yeah. which is probably a mark of the man, right? I don't want to undermine you, Andrew, but I did say that. <laughs> All right, well, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to you, Chris. Have you, have you considered that? Everything out of the boss's mouth is gospel. <laughs> right, I'll move on to our next centre-back. It's kind of hard to make this one difficult to guess. What I will say is this player is one of my top three all-time players. Um, Stats-wise, I'm going to tell you he's played 901 career games um, at club level, scored 33 goals, has 43 assists and three red cards. He also has one Italian cup to his name, amongst other trophies. Who is he? Andrew, do you want to go first since you're still lagging behind with zero? Yeah, I'm kind of expecting to stay there. Uh, Would it be Berezi, maybe? And that's why we're struggling to... uh... Do a list of teams for him. Just, just you're, you're on the right path of an algo. <laughs> Scott will go, get this one. Yeah, go for it, Scott. See, it, it was when I, I genuinely think I, I would have went Berezi, but I think Berezi's too too old for Chris uh, to maybe have a 
clear view of. I'll go with Maldini, what I said the first time. So I'm disappointed, Scott, that you would have went with Baresi since we had this exact conversation about Maldini yesterday before Chris gave us his team. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I, I initially, I would, I would always have Baresi starting as my centre half, but I, I knew Maldini had to be. In. I just, I just thought from Chris's perspective, being slightly younger. Um, no, Scott Baresi was far, far before my time. Um, I, I, Maldini. What can um, I'm a guy, I'm a 32-year-old guy for Paisley. What can I say about Maldini that hasn't already been said? That's the position I'm in right now. Like, he is the greatest ever defender. I could have put him in at left-back and I could have put another defender in there next to Cannavaro. But at left-back, for me, he was absolutely world-class, but slightly wasted because in centre-defence, centre that's where that's where Maldini's natural position was. And height, strength, physique, pace, class... Could pick a ball 60 yards straight to a, a striker or a winger. Could tackle. Could do a lot. And it was just... I, I, I can't say anything else other than what I've said. He's, he's the greatest defender to ever play the game for me. Um, it's a wee bit... For, for me, I was never a big Serie A fan. So I always wanted to see him come over on these shows, you know, playing the Premier League. But you've got to respect a guy that spent 20-odd years at one club and, and clearly loved it. And... And obviously now his son is hopefully going to break through at the Milan team. Um, and Paolo Maldini's dad actually played for Milan prior to that. And interesting trivia is the number five, that can only be held by a Maldini. So Maldini's son is only guy, is the only person that can actually get that number for Milan now. And then Maldini's son's sons are obviously the, the natural predecessors for that. Um, and that says it all, doesn't it? That really says it all. Uh, he's, he's just a world-class player, but the word class has to be emphasised because he was class. Yeah, there's something special about a player of his ability where, I mean, you're right, greatest defender I've ever seen play and to stay at the one club his entire career, I mean, he, he could have made way more money if he'd left Milan and gone elsewhere, but to, to stay loyal to the club that he loved um, for his entire career with his ability, it's just, it's fantastic. Uh, like I said, he's one of my top three players of all time, so I think that's an excellent addition into your team there. There's a, there's a few later on I probably wouldn't agree with, but so far I think you've had a pretty strong team. I think the next one you won't agree with, uh, this is quite awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll move on to left-back then, lads. So at left-back, we've got 72 caps for his country, three goals, two assists and one red card. He has one Olympic gold medal, and he's played for Sporting Lisbon, and Marseille. Scott, do you want to go first this time? That's a toughie, that one. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think of teams that have won the Olympics, but see, to be honest with you, I absolutely take no interest in Olympic football whatsoever. Uh, Marseille and... Please don't Sport. say that if we ever get Craig Moore on the show. <laughs> Oh yeah, brilliant soccer is and Olympics and smashing. Um, I'm genuinely stumped for this one. Um, Bixant Lazura Zoo. Okay, Andrew, as an Australian, you probably have a little more interest in the Olympic football. Who have you got? 
Yes, uh, as a genuine, definitely born in Australia, Australian. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to copy my same strategy from last time, and I'm going to copy Scott's answer. What was Scott's answer again? Big Santi Lizaru. All right. I don't even know who that is. Lizarazu. Oh, Lizarazu. Yeah. The Frenchman? Yeah. Oh, fucking balls, man. It was Patrice Evra. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Go on then, Chris. Put them out of the misery. No, Lizarazu was a quality player, but um, for me, this one's completely left field. Uh, Pardon the pun, obviously, it's a left back. Uh, this guy for me, I'd never seen anything like this guy ever, uh, like at all. He kind of, he wasn't a big signing at the time for the club that I've picked as his best spell. But wow, what an impact he made! Um, and then sadly, injury curtailed his his spell at the at this particular club, and then a wee bit of controversy because he, he demanded to move to a rival. So he played for Manchester United. Uh, it was a left back and it was Argentinian. Scott, does that help narrow it down? Mm, no, I'm struggling here. Gabriel Hinzer. Yep, Gabriel Hinzer. I just loved Gabriel Hinzer. This was a guy who was no nonsense, no giving a fuck, and he just wanted to hurt people. And he got nicknamed, I think it was the Rottweiler. He, what an apt name, because this guy just flew into everything. And going forward with the ball, it was pretty handy at that as well. And Alec Ferguson actually said it was probably one of the best signings ever made. And then Heinze, after his injury, fell out with the hierarchy at Manchester United and he demanded a move to Liverpool and that just wasn't going to happen. And then he went to Real Madrid and he chatted in and engineered the move back to Liverpool and then it just, it, his career sort of fell apart after that. But his spell at Manchester United, those first two years, th- there was not a player that, in that position like him in terms of style of play, I just absolutely loved watching him. He gets stuck into everything, never gave in, was a winner. And do you know what? As as much as this might sound weird, because Manchester United, this is at the peak of the Sir Alex Ferguson years, I actually think he inspired a lot of players around him. And, you know, the the argument, obviously you say Patrice Evra, Evra, Scott, the argument is he he eventually took his place. Uh, So he, why why would I not pick him? Because technically you would say that he's a better player. But with, with Heinzer, he just raised the bar, and I think he brought Evra on because remember, Evra's start at Manchester United career wasn't very great, and when he realised what he had to be and the level he had to be, I think a lot of that has to go down to what Heinzer actually done before him. You could say he was full of beans, eh? <laughs> oh, oh, it's best. I'll get my coat. Top tier content. This is what the Patreon bucks are all about. So, I'd be a writer for that one. <laughs> going forward, it's going to be difficult to try and name the like put the players in a way that it's going to make it hard for you to name them. But I'll try my best, mainly because it'll be fun for the listeners trying to guess as well. So we're first of our midfield trio has 718 club appearances, 127 goals, 213 assists, and eight red cards. He has two FA Cups to his name and one League Um title. He played for PSG. I'll not name any of his other clubs. Scott, do you want to go again? 
No, no, we'll let Andrew we'll let Andrew go for that one. So as I can eliminate some player. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Andrew, that was harsh. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just fine, it's fine, whatever. You know, I'm I'm over it. Um so this is this is pure guesswork. Um French midfielders. I'm gonna go with Zidane. What made you think he was a French midfielder? Did you say he played for a French team? He played for a French team. It doesn't mean he's a French midfielder. He won two FA Cups as well. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, do you want to guess? Uh, I'm just trying to think of PSG players I've played in the Premier League. I'll probably kick myself on it. I hear who it is, but... Uh, mm. Now I'm going to concede that I don't know this one. Right, so for me, the, this this guy is who I wanted to be when I was younger, and I think a lot of uh, guys my age probably would say the same. Uh, whether or not they're willing to admit it, because obviously a certain stigma comes with this player uh, purely because of his lifestyle, maybe. Um, I think Elton he's John that they play for PSG. Who's that? <laughs> Do you know what Elton John is in a bad guess there? Because I believe the, them two are friends. Yeah, that's I exactly. Um, nah, he was he was the first global superstar in my era. Um, oh, for fuck's sake! I'm, I'm not saying obviously <laughs> there wasn't no superstars before him or even after him, but this guy was just this right. guy. Everything. Um, for me, his ability doesn't get spoken about enough because obviously he's he's stardom is all that ever gets spoken about. But obviously, I'm talking about David Beckham. Um, yeah. Just a world class player uh, who could do everything: pass, shoot, cross. And do you know something? The one thing that David, the one thing about David Beckham that always gets overlooked was his work rate. That guy left everything out in the field every time he played. And the the controversy over the sending off against England and stuff that could have ruined a lesser a lesser man. And he showed some real and determination to come back for that and actually become a national hero obviously with the, the free kick against Greece and then it's actually the, the redemption story the goal against Argentina at the World Cup to, to, to beat them one now a world class player who I believe wasted the last eight nine years of his career I think the, the, the move to Real Madrid didn't work out for him and then inexplicably went over to America and he wasted four years there and then fannied about with Milan and then obviously ended up at PSG for the start of their kind of uh, Arabic project if you will and it was such a waste because this guy's peak was just a genius and I make no bones about it he was my hero growing up um, out with Rangers I used to buy brow cream or sorry I used to get my mummy to buy brow cream and I, I used to want the Predators and you know seen a goal scored that I'd never seen scored like it before in my life against Wimbledon from the halfway line. Uh, you know, it's just done all these amazing things. And and there's there's only two or three players in the world that you can kind of put your house on when it comes to a free kick uh, Chris, and a goal from it. Yeah. Just going back to that goal against Wimbledon, whose boots was he wearing? Uh, was it Gaza? Nope. <coughs> oh, no, Durant? Nope. <coughs> Scott? Uh, Charlie Miller. Charlie Miller. I knew it was a Rangers player. Because um, uh, that you're right. Uh, who was the goalkeeper? Neil Sullivan. Yeah, I, I Neil Sullivan. That's a that's a name. But uh, yeah, just a a, a world class player, and he's 
you know, as I say, his stardom is all that really is spoken about even now, even after his career. And I think that's a shame because I remember speaking to um, a, a young lad who shall remain nameless about David Beckham because he was in the Ultimate uh, FIFA Ultimate team. And that's all he spoke about was, oh, Beckham, his pals were like LeBron James and stuff. And I was like, have you ever actually seen Beckham play? And he's like, no. Nah. So YouTube went on and he still didn't appreciate just how good he was. And that, to me, is, is, is a bit of a tragedy. It's a bit of a footballing tragedy because it's, 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 his contribution on the park is almost forgotten about purely because of his celebrity and, and who he's married to and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I'll never forget the impact he had in my football life and, and he more than deserves his spot in my midfield. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. He was such a great footballer, but you're right. The majority of what you think of when you think of David Beckham is his marriage to Posh Spice or the amount of times that they end up in magazines and, and going over to America. And I suppose it's not really helped by the fact that he's now got his own team over there, doesn't he, in Miami. Um, So I suppose he's that transition from being a a superstar player to being a a product, a company, all of his own. Um, He's kind of the the leader in that that, um, way the footballers are going these days. But you're right, he was some talent. And his crossing, his dead ball in in its own was just phenomenal. Moving on, next of our midfielders. Again, this is a difficult one to kind of hide who he is. So he had 108 caps for his country, 31 goals and 30 assists, two red cards. He's got a Ballon d'Or, two Serie A titles, and he played for Bordeaux. I'm going to go to Andrew for this one, Scott, because I think you'll get it. Oh, I know it. Oh, good. <laughs> I've no idea. Go on, Scott. Okay. Help me. Help me, Scott. Did he also have a Matarazzi chest to add to his header collection? He did. <laughs> Zizou, Zinedine Zidane. And I do not disagree with this choice in the slightest. Right, remember that I edit this podcast, so what I'm going to do, right, I'm going to take my answer from earlier, and I'm just going to throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can see you and me standing outside at the end of the night trying to throw a kettle over the pub, because that's a real quiz. <laughs> right, but have you ever thrown a kettle over a pub, though, Scott? I mean, come on. <laughs> I bet you have, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been very drunk before, but I've never been that drunk, I don't think. Right, Chris, do you want to explain to us why you picked Zidane? I mean, I I suppose it kind of explains itself, but we'll let you give your reasoning. He's he's just the greatest to ever play in that position. Um, So elegant, so classy. uh, Just he could do a lot, you know, power, pace, passing, shooting, work rate, positional sense, inspiring others. And you look at all of your, all of his achievements in, in in football with Juventus, Real Madrid and France, and you can talk about that goal at Hamden, but one of his greatest achievements is actually what Scott touched upon. Um, obviously not the headbutt itself, but he took a, a bang average France squad all the way to the World Cup final, almost single-handedly. 
this was his swan song, you know, this was this was the end of Zinazine Zidane's career. And to be quite frankly honest with you, the, the the two years leading up to that at club level, he wasn't the Zinazine Zidane of old. He well he was, that was the problem. He was old and he couldn't do what he used to be able to do. And it's almost as if the two years leading up to that, he was just keeping himself in, in, in reserve for this World Cup. And what he done at that World Cup was just it was beautiful. And there's a compilation video of Zidane's World Cup to 2006 that I urge everyone to watch. You look at the first touch, you look at the passing, you look at the goals. I mean, who does a Penenka in a World Cup final? You know what I mean? Zidane does. And it's almost fitting that what Scott said about the Matarazzi incident, it's almost fitting that's how he ended his career because it went out in his terms. And I know there's a lot of controversy around it and stuff like that, but you know, that that's that was just Zidane. It was it was a maverick, it was an enigma, but all geniuses are. And and that's what Zidane was, a genius. That was quite beautiful, actually, wasn't it? Well, that was that really was. poetic from you, Chris. Um, just 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 out of curiosity, has anybody actually seen the, the film Zidane? Um Yes. We we plug out to the Scottish band Mogwai uh, for doing the soundtrack for it. They had about, I think it was about 17 cameras or something focused on him for 90 minutes against Villarreal. And just what, even watching his off-the-ball play and every time he took a touch, you know, just the guy who used class. Um, funnily enough, he gets sent off in the last minute of that match and all, but <laughs> uh, oh, what a movie. I definitely, if nobody's seen if you haven't seen it, uh, Zidane, I think it's called uh, is it The Portrait or 21st Century Portrait or something. Excellent movie. I'll have to check it out. I've heard of it, but I've, I've never actually watched it. It just reminded me of the old Sky Sports player cam that you used to be able to watch. So moving on, your final midfielder. I didn't agree with this one. Um, I think most of your choices have been really strong so far, but this is one that I'm interested to hear your your decision behind it. I, I know he's a big um he has a lot of fans, but it's not someone I would have ever anticipated being in your all-time 11. But I think there's a bit of a theme to your all-time 11, which we'll pick up after this one. Um, so this player had 713 club appearances, 152 goals, 76 assists, 9 red cards. He has 2 League Cups to his name and 4 FA Cups. Who is he? Who wants to go first this time? We'll go with Scott then, since neither of you are speaking up. Yeah, we know I'm not going to get it. Come on, let's be real. Ah, <laughs> uh, see when you said that there was near Rangers players, the friendlies count. Friendlies count. Uh, uh, well, no. Even if they, I don't think this is relevant to this player. Right, okay. Um, nine red cards. I'm going to swing towards Paul Scholes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Paul Scholes. He's... Sorry, Eddie. I see where Scott was thinking there. Were you thinking of uh, Gerard? Scholes or Gerard? If, yeah. if he'd have said that, mm. he might have pulled a Rangers top on at one point, then I would have went Gerard. But Aye. I was just that was the one thing about Paul Scholes. I'll, I'll let Chris take it away, but the, the thing we all knew every time we, we made a tackle, you even that... the ref had a chuckle. <laughs> I think we can assure you that uh, Chris wouldn't be selecting Gerard in his all-time at the moment. I think he's still a bit raw when it comes to him. 
See, the good thing about this is we're trying not to timestamp this podcast, and you could probably say that in about 10 years from now, and it's still <laughs> true. <laughs> the Gerard being brought up is actually quite relevant because when it comes to English midfielders of my generation, you get Gerard, Lampard, and Scholes. Now, everybody's got a different opinion on each of them and who do you think is the greatest, all this kind of stuff. People will say Gerard because he single-handedly took Liverpool to heights that no one ever expected. People can say Lampard because he became, obviously, the, the highest goal scorer in Chelsea's history from midfield. But no one ever really appreciates scores the way he should from a fan's perspective. But then you read the quotes of guys who actually do appreciate scores. Talking about Zidane, Kaka, Figo, even his Manchester United teammates, Sir Alex Ferguson himself. Uh, Scholes was the greatest English midfielder of my generation and, and I said that even when Gerard was in my good books and I stand by that today because Scholes had, I wouldn't say he had a lot, but in an attacking sense, he did. He was amazing and there just isn't enough appreciation for him purely because and this is what separates Scholes from Lampard and Gerrard for me, is his off-field persona. This is a guy who's a multi-millionaire. This is a guy who's won Champions Leagues, Premier Premier Leagues, FA Cups, League Cups, um, Super Cups. He's, he's, he's played at World Cups, Euro Championships, uh, over 500 appearances for Manchester United. And genuinely, if you got him to walk down the street today, and that street was full of teenagers. No one would know who he is. And that's because there was no hassle off the pitch to Sir Alex Ferguson at all. There was never any controversy. There was never any baggage with the guy. And one thing that I feel gets overlooked as well is he retired. And then six months later, Sir Alex Ferguson put an SOS out to him. And he came back for six months. And his first game back was in a Manchester derby inspired Manchester United to win. Who, who who even does that? Like that's that, you know that's just crazy. And for me, uh, as I said, the best English midfielder I've ever seen, um, and a huge loss to England when they retired. And and I actually believe if if Sven Goran Eriksson actually managed to fit him into the system somewhere or another, England would would have had a better chance of getting a major honour because the the difference in England without schools to the England West schools was, was quite noticeable for me. So, yeah, Paul Scholes is, is um, a footballing genius for me and it it doesn't bring all the shit that normally comes with a footballing genius like Beckham, for example. I mean, the two guys grew up together. They came through the same academy and look how both their careers went off the park and, and people can say that, yeah, Beckham made more money and stuff, but Scholes was never interested in that. Scholes just wanted to play football and, and you've got to respect that. It's just, he always came across as a wee guy trapped in an adult man's body because his enthusiasm was so infectious. Are you, are you sure Frank Lampard doesn't just edge it for his meme ability? Uh, wow, I love his meme ability. I mean, that, <laughs> that's definitely... <laughs> no, but seriously, Everton will get relegated. <laughs> I had to bring that down a notch for the second meme. <laughs> so I've got two points on Paul Scholes. First one goes to your um, conversation about his off-the-field persona. The biggest probably compliment I could give about that is I've got a mate who's a 
big Man City fan. He was he's from Manchester. He had season tickets when they were in the second division. He lives in Glasgow now, but he used to follow them everywhere um, when they were down the divisions and everything. And even he respects Paul Scholes, the person refers to him as an absolute gentleman and um, just says he's an all all round stand up guy. And he this guy hates Man United, but he, he's got nothing but compliments for Paul Scholes. And then the second thing was, yeah, um, you say he wasn't interested in all the millions, but one thing he is interested in is his daughter's feet. <laughs> that was a bit weird. I, I didn't understand that, but uh, <laughs> I can overlook that. Uh, well, I, I certainly can anyway, but um, no. A lot of was... money in kind, kind of buy a set of toenail clippers. That <laughs> was, was quite bizarre, quite bizarre. <laughs> so we'll move on to your strikers now. And the first one that we're coming to is actually the first player who still currently plays. Um, this player has 186 caps for his country. He has two Spanish cups and two league cups to his name. Who is he? Andrew, you've not got one yet. We'll give you a chance. Uh, Ronaldo. <laughs> there we go, a point on the board. <laughs> yeah, we don't even need to give Scott a guess there. Well done, Andrew. Easy, easy. <laughs> uh, and as yeah. you'll notice, there's a bit of a theme here for Chris. He seems to like Man United players. Mm. Well, Man, Man United, uh, growing up, were like the, the kind of this younger generation's sort of Barcelona, if you will. Um, you know, the, the the Barcelona, the old conquering Barcelona, where they had all, like, all these amazing players and and for me to have a team like Man United so close to home, doing what they've done uh, regularly, not even obviously they should have probably won more in Europe, but domestically it was it was it was just all about Man United. And then when you watch like World Cups and Euro Championships, it was just all Man United players that were involved. Um, so I think that's where that comes from. But Ronaldo, I've actually put down the the Madrid version because that that's where he came into his own. Um, he's he's. Statistics from Madrid are just ridiculous, really. Scored more goals than he played games, and and that will never be done again in football. Um, I'm pretty confident in that. And the level of goal scoring that that Ronaldo achieved, when you consider the type of player he was to begin with, the transition from tricky, skillful, arrogant winger to complete striker was an absolute credit to him for the work that he put into his uh, trade and, and he somebody says to me Ronaldo squeezed the toothpaste tube. He got every single ounce out of it, out of his ability to put in his career and he's still going just now. Yeah, he's no hitting the heights as as what he previously did, but he's thirty seven for God's sake and he just got the hat trick in the Premier League and he's still scoring for Portugal. He's gonna play at yet another World Cup. Probably will be his last um He's, we'll never see another Ronaldo in terms of goal scoring, pure goal scorer uh, and physique, uh, his, his dedication to the game and he's, he's a winner and, and that's, you know, that's the most important thing and people can point to uh, he's not that much a winner if he can inspire this Manchester United team but they've got major, major problems and Ronaldo isn't one of them. And he's getting all the criticism because he isn't dragging him over the line. But there's only so much he can do when you're 37. But I guarantee you, if Cristiano Ronaldo of Real Madrid was in this Manchester United team, then he would be dragging up the heights that, that, that they currently aren't achieving. And for me, uh, 
he's he's the greatest I've ever seen. Um, that's that's a fact for me. I think you're absolutely spot on with your um, comment on is Man United uh, position at the moment. They shouldn't be relying on a 37 year old to to drag them through. He should be the complement to that team. I mean, they've got the players. They've got enough players there to have a team where he can come in and he can be the complement. He shouldn't have to be the person that's dragging them through. But you're right. If if they had that Real Madrid Cristiano Ronaldo, then he probably would have been dragging them through. He's a player who I'll freely admit in my younger days. Um, I never gave him the credit he was due, probably because he was so good. That it, it was a bit like, ah, no, I can't say he's as good as he is because, you know, everybody says he's great, but actually he is. He's he's just brought something completely different to football. Um, and you're right, it's that dedication, that pure dedication to his craft. He's probably not as naturally talented as Messi. But he's worked on it so hard and put so much effort into it that, for me, he's actually turned out as a better player than Messi. I don't know about how you feel, Scott and Andrew. I think Chris sums it up perfectly by saying he's a winner. That's exactly what he is. He, he, he doesn't settle for second best. You can see the, the fury in him any time some, somebody does something wrong in the park. And they're the, they're the greats over the years. They're the guys that you want to be playing with and the guys that will lead teams to, to great things. Um also, just to give a, a wee mention, I think it's been quite well documented um, that Sir Alex Ferguson credits our own Sir Walter Smith for knocking some of that trickery and over-showboating out of his game with a no fouls rule in training at Man United when he was assistant manager. So, kudos to Walter there. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, I was going to mention that. The, um, the, the fact that he he is he's been so driven, um, and the fact that some of that does come from Walter is is fantastic. Um, it's a really good thing, um, and yeah, definitely worth noting. Right, we'll move on to your second striker. This player played for Monaco, won one World Cup, won Euros, and won UEFA Super Cup. Who is he? Scott, do you want to go first since Andrew went first last time? Ah, uh, okay. We can't catch me anyway. anyway. Um, does this certain striker have some baba boom? He does indeed. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Scott's got that one straight away. Yeah, it, it's on another one who was difficult to try and uh, try and hide. Because you say any of the other clubs, and it becomes obvious. So, Chris, mm-hmm. do you want to give us your reasoning behind Thierry Henry? Yeah, obviously it's the it's the Arsenal version. Thierry Henry. He was uh, to say that this this guy was a genius is understatement. I mean, so innovative and so classy and raw pace as well, which is always exciting to watch for me. And it was it was just it wasn't he wasn't meant to have that career. You look at his career prior to Arsenal and Monaco. He was you know done okay. Juventus, they played him out of position a lot, and and he ended up pretty much playing in that position anyway with Arsenal, although he was playing through the middle, but you see him more often than not taking the ball out from the left or the right, and again, it comes down to Ronaldo for me. Um, Henri obviously had the ability, but he had to really work hard at his game to get to the levels that he got to, and by God did he do it, and to overtake Ian Wright's record at Arsenal and then the style and the manner in which he'd done it was 
it was just a joy to watch. Watching Henri on the ball, taking men on. Guys, no mugs, by the way, unable to contain them. And then making them look silly. And then having a cheeky, classy finish at the end of it. Fantastic. I can remember one goal against Manchester United where the ball came to him. He chipped it up. He turned around the volley that top corner. Um, that was against Man United and Barthez was in goals and I know Barthez, you know, he's eccentric and he, he always had a clanger in him, but he made Barthez look like Massimo Tebe, you know what I mean? It's it, it was just and he had that ability to do it. And uh he probably the, the, <laughs> he probably pissed off a lot of Celtic fans as well, which is always good. So, you know. Um Henri definitely and and my top uh Top 11 as, as one of the strikers. I was going to mention the uh, the incident that Chris is referring to at the end there, because um, I remember sitting in a pub with a mate of mine who was a big Republic of Ireland fan uh, watching the playoff. And it's probably one of the funniest moments I've ever had watching football with someone because he was beyond raging with Thierry Henry um, after the winner that you got in that playoff against uh, Republic of Ireland. It was, well, um, it was one of the best goals that's ever been scored. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a rare effort to handle the goals twice. You, <laughs> you, you're lucky you never sat next to me when we had Ricky Foster at right back, by the way. <laughs> uh, yes, quite. Um, but yeah, i can't add anything more to what Chris said. You know, guys, quality speaks for itself. Right. Well, we'll move on to the final player in the list, um, another current player, and it's it's impossible to kind of hide who this is. So I'm just going to read the stats. I'm sure everyone will know who he is. 804 club appearances, 680 goals, 313 assists, and one red. 160 caps for his country, 81 goals. 49 assists and two reds. He's got seven Ballon d'Ors, one Copa America, 10 La Ligas, four Champions Leagues, seven Spanish Cups, three FIFA World uh, Club World Cups, three UEFA Super Cups, and one Olympic gold medal. He's played for Barcelona and currently plays for PSG. It is, of course, Lionel Messi. Oh, Eddie, I was going to say, I think I've got this one. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew, I should have let you guess that one. So Chris, tell us about Messi then. Yeah, so if I'm having to do a kind of top eleven for my generation, you can't not have Messi in. And I'm not interested in getting into the Messi Ronaldo debate. I personally think Ronaldo over Messi, uh, purely because Ronaldo didn't have that um God gifted ability that, that Messi had. Um and Messi not to diminish what he achieved, but he was handed pretty much everything. Um, but that, that he still had to obviously take the opportunity, and, and by God, he done it. And he, he was just—he's obviously on a decline now. But Messi at his peak, what him and Ronaldo achieved in the almost personal, private battle was—you know—goal scoring ability again. You go back to it. Like, I think Messi actually get almost seventy goals one year. Like, that's just incredible, you know what I mean? Um, I think in one calendar year, he, he actually hit the century of goals. Uh, again, the likes of which we'll never see, uh, I don't think. And uh, it's you, you can't have 
for my generation, you can't have a, a starting eleven without Messi or indeed Ronaldo. But Messi for me, an absolute joy to watch. Uh, he had the ability that Ronaldo didn't have in terms of he could make something happen out of absolutely nothing. I believe that he had that over Ronaldo, um, which was probably you know a lot of the kind of Messi fanboys have that argument over picking him over Ronaldo, and and I can see why. And it was just it was just amazing to watch. Um, don't get me wrong, I think the Barcelona team that he he was obviously the the focal point of it became a bit boring and um, laborious at times because they just won everything and and their style of play actually became a bit boring. Um, just pass, 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 pass. But uh, Messi was never boring, and that's the biggest compliment I can give to him. I know you said there was no Rangers players, but. That wasn't for lack of trying on our behalf, because as we, as everyone knows, we famously tried to loan Messi in at one point, but got rejected. And Danny Esther. Yep. Well, apparently, were we not uh, on the verge of actually having any Esther, and then Barcelona had a an injury crisis, and he get called up to the first team. That's right. Yep. I was going to say that the story behind Messi nearly signing with us, that came about because uh, McLeish's boy used to play football manager and yep. said. I found this really amazing wonder kid who plays for Barcelona. It's excellently rated. You should definitely try and sign him. So who is it? It's this kid called Lionel Messi. Hi, all right, kid. Nice one. And then for some reason, Barcelona didn't want to you know, loan him to us. Can't think why. Can you imagine if Messi had played for Rangers? That would have been tremendous. But, um, yep, that was a great start in 11. Um, couple in there that Personally, myself, I uh, might have um, some questions around when, if somebody picks him when we go to the, ba- the debating section of the show. But thank you very much for presenting your 11 for us, Chris. Yeah. Um, so I'll just um, I'll thank Scott for co-hosting. Thank you, Scott. Thanks very much for having me. Nice to kick things off with a victory. And I'll thank you as well, Andrew, for your uh, co-hosting abilities there. Maybe he's not so great on the guests and the footballers, but always a joy to chat with you. Oh, no, I'm, I'm 100% going to be the Falkirk to Sasser's Rangers here, so that's that's fine. Um, I, I fully expect to not win any of the competitions, but it's always a pleasure to take part, right? And then last but not least, obviously, Chris, thank you for joining us as our first guest on this new series. Thank you for bringing such a well-thought-out team with opinions and of course, thanks for giving us the opportunity to produce our own show. No, no worries at all. It's a pleasure. And thank you to the listeners. Um, hopefully, you'll join us for our second episode, um, and we'll look forward to doing another one for you. Take care. <laughs>